I'm talking more about a broad sense of doing the right thing in terms of um, a commercial organization generally delivering value to a consumer at the same time doing the right thing for its employees at the same time doing the right things for its shareholders at the same time doing the right thing for the for the community and society that it's part of. Prideo enables us to do that. Hi, I'm Belden Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Paul Pester, Chair of the Consumer Advisory Board at Fairer Finance. Paul is also currently working with Cardeo, a startup whose purpose is to create more competition and transparency in financial services, beginning with credit cards. Paul shares with us the fundamental reason why traditional banks find it very difficult to do what's in the best interest of consumers and walks through an explanation of how that shows up in a product most of us use, the credit card. He also talks about why, if you're a purpose-based organization, you need to know who your enemy is, and who Cardeo's enemy is, and surprisingly, who it isn't. Paul, welcome uh, uh, to The Purposeful Strategist. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Just to get us going, could you tell us a bit about yourself and about your organization? Sure. Well, it's great to be here, Belden. Uh, about myself, uh, the last 20 years, uh, I've been involved in a range of financial services businesses from the sort of founding CEO at Virgin Money back in 99, right through to working at Lloyd's and Santander and CEO at TSB. But actually, over the last couple of years, I've been working in some non-exec roles across a range of businesses. And in particular, I think one uh, would be interesting for us to chat about today is Cardeo. Um, and Cardeo is uh, it's a it's a six month old business, and we certainly have a purpose. We have a purpose to go ahead and, and unravel one of the big uh, cross subsidies that exists in UK retail financial services, and and hopefully give consumers a whole a whole much better deal. Mm-hmm. And how did you go about identifying that purpose? Um, over the last sort of I don't know. 20 odd years of working in financial services, if I'm really honest, I've been troubled by the fact that it's a business that whilst it talks about putting consumers at the heart of everything it does, um, it's very, very hard for businesses to do that. And the big traditional financial services businesses, the way I would think about this is because their business models don't really work that way. You know, talk about a bank, for instance, it has on one side of its balance sheet, it has savings, and on the other side of its balance sheet, it has loans. And it makes money by having both of them, paying a smaller amount on its savings than it does on its loans. For many consumers, uh, what's actually making sense is to try to help the customer net those off. You know, you've got £5,000 in your savings account, You've got, I don't know, £2,000 credit card loan here with us. Let's find a way of you not paying us for both, which is effectively what you're doing if you're, if you're a bank. Banks can't do that because one could argue doing what is absolutely in the interest of the consumer is diametrically opposed to their economic model. And so what I've been increasingly focused on is trying, or trying to find businesses where the economic model supports doing what's right for the consumer 
and vice versa. Doing what's right for the consumer rewards the economic model. Typically in financial services, it's very, very hard to find those businesses. At Cardale, you know, I generally believe that the approach we're taking to enabling consumers to use and manage and access and, and, and live with their credit cards, uh, you know, we Cardale succeed when we deliver true meaningful value to consumers. Was this purpose sort of in existence before Cardeo, and Cardeo became a vehicle to realize it? Or was it Cardeo kind of existed and had some ideas, and then you began to realize, ah, actually, these ideas, which might have come from technology or whatever, these ideas could help us engage in a, in a sort of bigger purpose, a bigger campaign? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, probably a bit more to the, towards the latter, if I'm honest. So to be clear, you know, Cordeo is not a business I personally established. It's the business I was introduced to when it's, when it was in its very early stages. So, you know, they had four people working there. They had an idea, a nugget, a kernel of an idea. I mean, it literally struck me from the first Zoom call with them that, okay, this is why the reason that this is a fantastic idea, and the reason I'm so personally committed to it, is it is 100% aligns with with a personal purpose mm-hmm. around fixing that really difficult problem where the economic model of many financial services businesses diametrically opposed to doing the right the right thing for consumers, uh, and I mean the right thing in the very broadest sense. It's not the right thing in terms of you know, when I'm, I don't know, going through a mortgage interview with a consumer, I make sure I give them the key facts and stuff. That That is the doing the right thing, inverted commas, as far as the FCA is concerned or the regulators are concerned, you're following the rules. And I'm talking more about a broader sense of doing the right thing in terms of um, a commercial organisation generally delivering value to a consumer at the same time doing the right thing for its employees at the same time doing the right things for its shareholders at the same time doing the right thing for the for the community and society that it's part of. Um, as I say, for broadly financial services, I find that find it very difficult because of the structure of the economic model. Cardeo enables us to do that. How's the Cardeo model different? Um, so it, at its heart, there's an unraveling of the cross-subsidy that exists in one of the most frequently used financial services products in the UK, and that's a credit card. Um, so without, without boring everyone stupid, we'll all know how credit cards work. You know, what you really have in a credit card is a multi-currency guaranteed settlement payment tool. If this piece of plastic that we all are used to using didn't exist, and I came to you and said, look, I've got a great idea for a product. You, you take this bit of plastic or actually you just load it up on your phone and you can go to pretty much any retail outlet anywhere in the world and you can buy something in any currency and then you'll have, I don't know, 50, 56 days to pay it back interest-free. And how much would you pay for that product? That's an incredibly valuable product if it didn't exist. The second part of a credit card is a borrowing um, functionality or borrowing capability, which is, by the way, Belden, if you can't pay me back for that transaction you've just made in Timbuktu for whatever amount, um, I'll lend you the money and you can pay me back over time. Now, the way that the credit card market works, of course, is that there's an enormous cross-subsidy where the amount that consumers pay to borrow subsidizes the cost for the payment tool. So if I choose not to borrow on my credit card, 
I get that multi-currency, multi-jurisdiction, guaranteed settlement payment to for free, um, whilst it's delivering immense value to me. However, if I choose to borrow, I'm probably going to end up paying, I don't know, 29.9% APR, 24.5% APR. I don't know, it's going to be very high 20s APR. It's often individually priced, um, but we'll be paying a large amount for that borrowing. What Cardeo does is enable consumers to effectively upload their cards into a single app, retain all of their existing cards. Um, it looks, if you, if you have, let's say, three credit cards, you have a balance on each of them, you need to make a payment each month. It has a nice, clever little algorithm which tells you, well, if you can only afford 200 pounds this month, we're going to put, you know, 87 pounds on your Barclay card. We're going to put, 20-something pounds on your TSB card and we're going to put the rest on, on, on your third card because that's the optimum way to use the 200 pounds you have. And that, that's a nice feature. But the killer feature for me is then saying, oh, by the way, because we've looked at your credit profile and because we don't have to cross-subsidize the cost of providing the payment tool, we will lend to you at 9.9% instead of 29.9%. So sweep all those balances you have on your in this example, your Barclay card card, your TSB card, let's say your Lloyd's card, sweep them all across and put them into your Cardale loan or, or line at 9.9% or whatever it happens to be. Um, but keep your cards, keep spending on your cards, you know, keep using your uh, Avios card to earn your air miles, keep using your Tesco card to earn your Tesco club points or whatever you choose to do. But each month as your balance rose, instead of paying the large rates that the card businesses are charging to cross-subsidize the cost of running the payment tool, we will lend you at a more commercial rate and a sensible rate. So we'll help you as a consumer unravel that cross-subsidy. So so I think I get this. Just I mean, to be perhaps a little provocative, to some extent, aren't your consumers sort of getting the best of both worlds? The way this all works is you get the payment tool for free. Thanks, we'll take that. But the way you pay for it is by paying over the odds on the lending. Uh, we don't want that. We want a we want a lending rate that matches our credit worthiness. That it seems to me, you know if everybody did that, then you'd have to explicitly price the payment tool. Yeah, and you know one could argue that is a fairer way forward. If one's purpose is to bring transparency, fairness. And this is a big leap, but I believe as a consequence of transparency and fairness, better competition and ultimately better outcomes for consumers, then that's vital. That's a good thing. So I agree with your logic. It may seem strange that I could be saying in the extreme, Rocardeo was super successful and we changed the way that credit cards work. Uh, people that do not borrow on their credit cards end up paying a fee for their cards or they end up paying a fee per transaction for their cards. Uh, that, you know, on the face of it, one could argue, well, is that a good thing? Personally, I believe it is a good thing because it brings transparency and more of a pay-per-use service and then would, I believe, lead to a competition on the true value added of the product rather than competition on some crazy feature of the product, which is we're going to charge you 29.9 or 35.9. And oh, by the way, we'll give you three months free, or six months free or 12 months free or whatever the longest balance transfer period is these days. Uh, but if you make a mistake in that period, we'll really hammer you. That, it just is not right to me. By bringing transparency 
absolutely better deals for consumers, but actually I think more competition, more competition on the features that consumers really want and pay for. To be maybe slightly unfair the other way, the banks know more about you borrowers generally than the borrowers each know about themselves. Everybody thinks they know more. That's just, I mean, that's true across all sorts of stuff. You know, you think inside, you know how it's all going to work out, but the data says something different. And if I've got it right, what you're talking about by separating those two, you kind of take away some of that informational asymmetry. Exactly, exactly. I guess I'll take myself. You know, I will be paying, I guess it's in the high 20s of percent APR for a credit card. I know if I want a, a term loan for two, three, four, five thousand pounds, probably if I go to my current account bank, I'll get that at three, nine, four, nine, five, nine, something like that. Um, so I may well, if I really stop and think about it, understand the information asymmetry, the cross subsidy that I'm suffering in this market, in this credit card market, where, you know, it's like a large proportion of the UK population are using these products. Um, but I don't have a way of really doing anything about it. Uh, technology and new business models, such as Cardale, Cardale relies upon open banking. Um, and again, that itself was introduced by the Competition and Markets Authority to try to force banks to open up this the playing field. Um, to me, it's, I think it's a very good example of, of new business models where the data, the customer's data, uh, is presented to the customer in a way where they can use it themselves to get a much better relationship with the industry. And so, you know, the consumers then, in the Cardeo example, will not only will we be telling them, um, this is the minimum payment on your different cards, this is the best one to pay off first, if you can pay this card down to zero, then you're into your 56 free, uh, a day interest-free period, so use that one for your transactions. I mean, it is, when you actually start thinking about these products, they are staggeringly complicated. Um, but having the data and enabling, of course, through a nice handheld computer or mobile phones, enabling a consumer to have a, a sort of guardian angel alongside them, explaining how to manage their cards um, is, is something that I think is um, an enormous benefit to consumers, certainly. It feels to me like a lot of AI currently has been deployed by companies to their benefit, perhaps to the benefit of consumers, perhaps not to the benefit of consumers. And to some extent, what Cardeo is doing is trying to use some of that AI on the consumer side. Absolutely. You know, great, as ever, Perlon, fantastic summary. And it's exactly that. It's using that, uh, it's, it's using the data for the consumer's benefits. You know, I remember these debates, I'm guessing it's going to be 15 years or more ago, about who does the data in a bank actually belong to? the transaction data, the historical data, is it the banks or is it the consumers? Well, personally, I think it's the consumers. The, the bank keeps the track of its own tr transactions, but ultimately it's the consumer's data. Um, and and to your, therefore, to your point, so that, that, I think that, that bridge has been crossed. The data belongs to the consumer. How do we put the data in the consumer's hands in a way where they can get real benefit from it, not only in a, in a straightforward sort of product benefit, as in, okay, I'm now paying less to borrow my card, which is a good thing, uh, but actually, I, by doing this, I'm forcing unwinding of a subsidy. And ultimately, you know, really, if I'm honest, it, it's the, I mean, many people borrow on credit cards, but often it's those least able to afford these sorts of products that end up paying for them. 
Um, and if that leads to a more transparent model where it's a little bit more of your pay for what you use, um, I think that'll lead to more competition on those exact features rather than this sort of, you don't need to worry about it, Mr. Consumer. Everything's fine. We'll look after it as a big bank and you just carry on. I mean, the more transparency, the better. Yeah. Um, so, so we kind of came into this story. Cardeo had some technology, had some ideas. You saw there was sort of this bigger purpose. How quickly did it go from a first Zoom call to something that you feel that it really crystallized what the bigger purpose was and how did all that come about? Um, well, I think we we're very fortunate in the sense that, you know, at the time, as I say, it was a very small business when I became involved, half a dozen people working there, you know, four co-founders, one investor, um, CTO, as you'd expect, um, and actually in a, such a meeting of minds. I think it's, it's, it's not as if they were saying, we're going to do X, and then suddenly I came along and said, we should do Y. It was a more of, okay, I understand what you're doing in doing X. This is what it really means in terms of us being able to start to unravel a big chunk of what's happening in financial services. And it's, it is interesting that, um, again, the CEO and one of the key founders at Cardell, Gavin uh, Shucker, is does not have a background in financial services. And he saw this opportunity and saw the opportunity basically to give a much better deal to consumers and to unravel what's happening in front and credit cards by using data, open banking, new technology. Um, there's such a strong focus on helping consumers borrow well, of helping consumers do the right thing with their debt, help giving transparency to consumers. You know, our enemy at Cardeo, interestingly, we've had quite a debate around it. As much as anything, our enemy is lack of insight by consumers. It's not the banks. You know, it could be very easy, and I think a mistake, to say, okay, we're going to take on the banks, and it's, it's the banks and the credit cards that we're competing with. It's not that. Actually, to your point on, on data, it is actually a lack of insight by consumers and a lack of ability to use their own data to get what is for them a better outcome. Mm -hmm. And so our, you could say our lack of, our, our focus, our enemy in any business, and I think you know, if you have a, business that is purpose-driven, it does help to have an enemy often. Um, you know, our, our enemy here, the thing we're fighting against is lack of insight, is lack, is ignorance, really, by consumers. And how does the purpose help your strategic decision-making? Um, in, in every way. You know, drives back to prioritization, drives back to how we present ourselves to consumers, drives back to um, the, the most fundamental question of, you know, why are we here? Um, where do we go beyond credit cards? And, and on, on our initial proposition, it helps that. It helps our debate, are we a B2C and or a B2B business? You know, all of those things. So you just take one example, the last one perhaps, of, you know, are we just a B2C business or are we out there trying to help consumers and saying to consumers, come along and upload your cards and we'll help you manage them better and give you better lending? Are we are we just B2C? Or do we go to some of the neobanks who may not have card propositions, who are very keen to do the right thing for their consumers and say to them, well, Mr. Neobank, you know, here's a white-labeled version of our platform, of our technology, of our AI, of our data insights. And through that, you can enable your consumers, your customers, to manage the two, three, four, five cards uh, and you can put the, the, the borrowing on your balance sheet, Mr. Neil Bank, and, uh, and we'll take a turn on that. 
you know, it's, it's helped us answer all those questions, which can often be, you know, quite difficult strategic questions for a business. But I think if you have a purpose, which is we're here to get consumers better deals, to bring transparency to consumers, to unravel this cross subsidy, then yeah, B2B way is a good way of doing that. We still get the same outcome. I think I also hear a careful thinking about and definition of who your enemy is sort of help make some of those conversations a bit easier. I don't, I don't know which came first, but... Well, completely. Purpose, which is linked to brand, of course. You know, purpose is just not some woolly sort of, ah, we're out there to do the right thing for consumers. You know, it drives me to distraction when I hear people say that. Um, purpose is about, okay, what specifically are we doing? What specifically are we not doing? Who specifically is our enemy? You know, what's the success look like? Um, and so, you know, probably, well, you can probably tell from the way I'm describing this, you know, I have my one pager. And unless we can fill in the answers to these very important questions, then actually we don't really know what our purpose is. Um, and so the, one of the questions, which is, I do think most informative is what are we fighting against, which is a bit of who is the enemy. Um, and then I think one has to go through that exercise to really understand the purpose of an organization, realizing that banks and card businesses aren't the enemy, makes it much easier to then say, well, yeah, of course we would develop a B2B proposition and go and partner with, with other banks. If they want to do the right thing for the consumers, we'll help them do it. And you know, what we're here to do is to facilitate that and to put the power of consumers' data in their own hands such that they can get a better outcome. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Understanding and, and focusing hard on that purpose is important. And what, what would you say your strategy is? That's a good question. Strategy is whatever it takes at this stage and it's in the business's existence to deliver our purpose. There are a whole series of things that need to be delivered to get there. So, you know, strategy in terms of fundraising, in terms of brand positioning, in terms of recruitment. I mean, it's, um, the strategy sort of drops out of that. I guess the question that's in my mind a little bit is, you have this really big purpose. Unraveling the cross-subsidies, creating trans, you know, more transparency, putting consumers' data in their hand along with some AI so they can use it. How do you prioritize? I mean, it just seems to me there's so much to be done. Yeah. Um, um, so the prioritization of that is a little bit driven by what needs to be done right now. What, so what decisions do we need to take now as, as opposed to what decisions can we or should we take later in order to you know, get to this initial outcome of saying we want to be helping under 50,000 consumers in a certain period of time. You know, what do we need to do to get to that in terms of the very mundane sort of, of building the app, making sure consumers know how to use it, raising the money, developing a brand. We know that there's a whole bunch of other things we want to do, but having the discipline to say those things will follow. Um, the uh, extension of a proposition to fix overdrafts, for instance. And we are, of course, thinking about how we do that. But you know, having the discipline to say that is part of our broader purpose, but actually the way we're going to get there is by building credibility with consumers. We're fixing a very clear here and now problem, credit cards, that will give us the legitimacy to then engage consumers on a broader set of topics. And so, you know, to the strategy, obviously linked to the purpose, a strategy 
absolutely right execution, what steps to take when, as opposed to let's do everything now because we think we're going to change the market overnight. That's, of course, never going to happen. Um, and so prioritization and discipline and prioritization absolutely key if we believe we're going to get there. You've picked some very specific sort of staging parts. We want to get the 50,000 users by such and such a date. And then you kind of used a fairly simple sort of now, next, Yeah, and then later. a little bit later. So when I say, you know, 50,000 consumers in a certain period of time, we know, you know, the segments of the market. We've got a lovely map of about 14 different segments in the UK credit card market. We know specifically what two segments we're going for. We know the characteristics of those segments. You know, we know how many customers are in there. We know what the average balances are, what economic benefit we deliver to each of them, which is what you would, I guess, describe as a well thought through strategy. The strategy and the purpose have to go hand in hand and have to be really strongly connected. You know, one of the challenges, I guess, Again, talking a bit generic, the challenges for CEOs and for businesses is, is maintaining that purpose and having the connective tissue uh, down to today's actions, this month's actions, you know, what we're going to be doing this quarter. You know, the connective tissue is probably the hard bit. However big the business, Cardale, more straightforward, you know, 20 or so employees, as opposed to a many thousand uh, personal organization where it's very, very easy for the purpose to come completely disconnected from today's activity. Yeah. Um, anything you're particularly proud of in the development, you know, because it sounds like there was a lot of work. I, I suspect some pretty interesting internal debates, you know, um, some difficult trade-offs to make. Anything in there that you'd pick out to say, I'm really pleased with the way we did X? Actually, thinking back at it, pleased at the way we ended up coming up with the outcome was which customers do we set out to serve first? And that was driven not necessarily by who do we think it's easier to acquire or any of those sorts of typical business questions. It was who do we think we can save the most? Kind of who needs us most? Exactly. Which consumers really think we need us so Of course, you know, the, the cynic would say, well, those are the ones that are probably going to be easiest for you to acquire because they've got the biggest economic benefit. And that's true. But the thinking was who can we benefit most? And you know, by benefiting those most, who can we therefore start building our own credibility? Because we will be able to demonstrate what we have done with and for these consumers, and from that build a strong, you know, purpose-led uh, brand and following, and build out from there. So, you know, the way the business approached that problem was to who first, who do we talk to first, who do we engage first? Um, you know, as I think about that, it was very specifically around. Who do we benefit? Which consumers get to benefit from us? So it wasn't who has the biggest balance and is therefore, if they were to switch it to us, we make the most income from, or I don't know, who's going to, you know, most likely to roll a balance and therefore keep the average balance there for longer. It wasn't any of that. That is not always the case in many of the larger financial services businesses. Sure. Any tips or suggestions for other leaders who are wrestling with this whole question of purpose and how do you translate that into strategy? How do you build that connective tissue as you described it? You know, being as explicit as possible about what you mean by your purpose, it is not just writing down one sentence. You know, it is filling in that set of questions that I found particularly helpful around, you know, as I say, who is our enemy? What does success look like? How are we targeting this? What would it feel like to be part of my organization? What would consumers say and feel by doing that? 
Every single word on that one page is very, very important. It's important, in my opinion, that the CEO and the absolute senior leadership of the business are involved in doing that. Without it, it just lacks credibility. What would you say the impact's been on you personally? I mean, this sounds like this is another stage for you in a sort of a journey you've been on for quite some number of years. But what what have you learned more recently through Cardeo and the experience there? Um, it's the transformational impact of, of data and technology. The, the way in which wholly new business models can be developed with data that has not been available either to businesses or to consumers before. Uh, and being able to use that data in a way that just transforms. You know, if I think back to the early days of the discussions around open banking, to be honest, people weren't really sure what the data would be used for other than a sense that if you make the data available, something good's going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, many of the uses of open banking, at the, if I'm honest, have been a little bit like just playing with the existing model. So I can do, let's say, income and expenditure profiling on a customer better with open banking because I get to see their current account transactions and therefore I have a better guess of their income, their expenditure. I can underwrite them better for a loan. Is that transforming the market? Mm, we're not. Um, it's better, it's more efficient. Um, there are business models such as Cardair, which is taking that data and coming sort of cross-grain in a completely different way and saying, now this data in the hands of consumers uh, with a really powerful AI engine behind it can actually force a change to the market and make these markets work better for consumers. You know, it's been incredibly uh, motivating, rewarding uh, and exciting, you know, to see such a fantastic example of that. So, yeah, as ever for me, you know, 20, 20 odd, years of doing this sort of stuff and before that you know 10 more years in consulting um fantastic so get that motivation energy excitement of saying this is a fantastic proposition and this takes that purpose or enabling consumers to get a better deal in their financial services business takes us to the whole next level be fascinated to see what the next step is i mean this this all sounds great but who's gonna resist this who's gonna fight back who's this not good for um so, you know, as ever, I guess whenever there's a benefit going to consumers, there's always someone who's who's going to be disadvantaged. Um, you know, if we follow our flow of 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 digital channels, giving price discovery and then consumer data, transforming the market yet again, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know many of the larger, more established, traditional organisations trying to slow down the rate at which consumers' data is made available to them in useful ways. So, you know, the whole competition markets authority thrust on open banking, the creation of an open banking environment where data in the UK can and should be used for consumers for their own benefit. There's a real risk if that is not managed well and pushed through with someone who has an absolute focus around giving consumers the power they need, you know, the, to me, the big concern would be the, the implementation of that, the way in which the data is made available, falling back into the hands of, uh, of the big banks, because it'll slow right down. You know, that would be a bad thing because consumers getting better deals, consumers forcing large organizations to change in order to serve them better deals drives better competition and will ultimately drive a more efficient UK retail financial services market which is actually good for UK PLC. But of course, it's a, it's a painful transition for many of the organisations involved. 
Paul, thank you very much. It's been, for me, as you could no doubt tell, very educational, um, very inspirational. And uh, if you don't mind my asking, you've a couple of times gone through this list of questions. Would you be willing to share that with our listeners by me putting it in the show notes? Yeah, I could definitely do that. Brilliant. Again, thank you very much. Not at all. Great to meet you, Vernon, as ever. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.